I do think that like maybe in the situation it was so dire that it was like, I don't care about the rules. Like, fuck the law. Take the car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Let's go. Awesome. Hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> How are you? Oh, you know, jet lag and all that. <laughs> yep. Back in England, back in your own space. That's it. Yeah. YouTube viewers will notice that we are split screen once again. And that's because I've returned home to the UK and uh, I'm struggling, man. <laughs> but I'm doing my best. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. It's, uh, it's weird having you not be in the city anymore. I got very used to having you around. And so even having to figure out time zones and stuff, it's like, wait, this again? <laughs> okay yeah yeah exactly honestly I, I was home for a full month like 30 plus days but it feels like maximum two weeks not you know if that uh and and it's it plays with you man but anyway we're back to doing yeah. this and we get a weekly weekly time with Lisa so so who Yay. are we we are the Belladonna Watch Club get comfy with us yes, while we, we dig into iconic shows and movies that one of us has I've never seen before so I'm Lisa and I'm Jenny. And we are on season one, episode four of the Gilmore Girls. And this episode is called The Deer Hunters. So in this episode, we have Rory at Chilton, who is struggling. She's struggling really hard. She gets her very first D on a paper that she's ever gotten in her life. Um, Nightmare. She's horrified. Like, just she's not handling it. And she sort of spirals a little bit. <laughs> and we have a really big test at the end of the episode that she needs to get to. So there's just a lot of Rory feeling under the gun, um, struggling with her schooling. And then the lighter uh, secondary plot line that we have is Suki getting an incredible review from a restaurant critic in a paper or not a magazine, I suppose it was. And the critic said that the famous risotto, the magic risotto was fine. It was fine. <laughs> Which Ooh, what a word. No, I know. Unacceptable, unacceptable for Suki. <laughs> um, despite the absolutely raving, wonderful review. Uh, so then yeah, the other kind of plot line going through there is Suki grappling with this. <laughs> what did you think? What did you think? I really, really liked it. Um, I, although typically I get really anxious at episodes that uh, feature, heavily feature injustice and things that aren't fair because mm. I just want things to work out. And this whole episode is just full of things that are so unfair and you just can't, can't, can't deal with it. But I, I think I picked out the theme of this episode being pride and it, Fair, how yeah. it shows up. Yeah. How it shows up in, in different ways, in different people and how it can, uh, sort of make or not make or break, but how it can serve you or hinder you. Yeah. Cause that makes so much sense that you picked up on that. So for for me, this episode, uh, like I said last time, I've seen the first season many times. This episode drives me insane. <laughs> I don't know why. Something about it just really bothers me. I think it's the the, the deer hitting the car. <laughs> I don't know why that part of the story just really bugs me. And I get that it needed to be something weird. Yeah, I'm not fully sure what that is there for i mean it, it's it's there to cause yet more tension and and problem and conflict for later on in the episode but like what <laughs> why why i don't have a theory of it yet every time i watch it i'm just like why did she get out why did she want to find it like what okay okay i don't <laughs> and that i think just goes back to you know, in the in the panic moment, you just you're not thinking clearly, and you don't really know what to make of of yeah your outfit choices or <laughs> the deer hitting your car or whatever. While there are some moments in this episode that I absolutely adore, overall in the whole, it's not one of my favorites. So, in the pre credits scene, uh, they are 
going shopping for school supplies, for like extra school supplies, like, uh, I don't know, they're looking at post-it notes and pens and highlighters, and it's clear Rory has her own list of things that she needs. Um, and this scene is so neat in how, like, <laughs> they're both damn clever with their wits, and um, they sort of take turns being anxious or or being at all stressed. Obviously, Rory is, 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 is maintaining her stress level because she wants to make sure she's prepared. She wants her own standards. She's clearly demonstrating her very own high personal standards for herself, how well prepared she is. Something like she needs three highlighters in case one dries out, the other one gets lost. She still has a third one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> gosh. And this is such a good example of them taking turns with the jabs at each other, like little clever jabs of just like, this is silly, you're being a bit ridiculous, or like, you know, you're being too immature, or now you're being too uptight, or, or, or too control freak. And I love that we get those scenes with the two of them. They are, they equal out, they balance out. Neither of yeah. them wins this scene. <laughs> <laughs> It reminds me a bit of, I think, how I might be while shopping with my child, but mm -hmm. like the Lorelai, not the Rory. I, right. <laughs> like, I would be like the weirdo, the irritating one, I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, let's be ridiculous. And then we get to Chilton. Yes. And... All of this preparation does not prepare Rory for her first bad grade. Literally the first in her life ever, Her the first day that she's ever gotten. And to add insult to injury, her, Paris and one of the other girls sees her grade and they are horrible to her. Like it's hard enough, I'm sure, getting a terrible grade. But then to have Paris talk about how, you know, that just sets you up for a job at McDonald's. Horrible. And then Tristan comes back. I still hate him. Like Oh, God, he's horrible. When he's kind of coming on to her, like, oh, what? Do you have a boyfriend? What are you doing Friday night? And Rory's version of being like laying down the law is, please leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, and he said, please. And I wrote it down because she's being, for Rory's typical standards, she's being so direct and yes. so like almost harsh. <laughs> please mm -hmm. leave me alone. It's mm -hmm. just like, oh, honey. He says something like, like, you look like you're upset. And okay, if a girl looks like she's upset, how about leave her alone? Or, you know, maybe a little bit of sympathy or What's something. wrong? Are you okay? Like, yeah, anything. Oh, oh, I can't stand him. And he's so, here we go. Here's the first instance of pride or a version of pride. Because he doesn't, he says... You like me. I think you like me. What? What? Since when? Since, who are you to say so? <laughs> He's so, so just like proud and arrogant and like, God, I can't stand him. <laughs> He's horrible. And he's the kind of guy that he's only giving her the time of day because she's not fawning over him. Like I'm sure all of mm -hmm. the other girls in the school are, or at least he's used to that kind of attention from girls. And so the fact that she's just trying to like put her head down and do her work, uh, that just brings him that that just gets him going. And I'm like, ew, you're so gross, Tristan. You're the worst. Go away. Please go away. <laughs> so once Rory gets home from school, she she doesn't tell her mom about her grade. She feels really embarrassed. You could tell that she's just really in her head about it because she's never gotten yeah. a grade like that before. And so I'd forgotten exactly how the scene went. And as the scene progressed, I was like, yes, exactly. And I felt my thoughts were just like half a second ahead of the scene. Anyway, I'll, I'll, mm -hmm. let's talk about it. Hey, let's get ice cream. I'm bored. Hello. Mom, I'm studying. Yeah, but I'm talking ice cream. Can't you take a break? I can't take a break right now. Okay. When? Are you four? No, I'm hungry. Have some more pizza. <gasps> it's cold. Heat it up. It's not the same. Lorelai, go to your room. Wow, smart girls are mean. If you let me study now, I'll play with you this weekend. Promise? Yes, we can do anything you want. <laughs> I love that so much. Because at the beginning of the scene, I was like, wow, she sounds like a child she sounds like a literal child yep. and then 
immediately Rory is like, are you four? Go to your room. Like, I just, <laughs> I just thought it was so good that they totally rolled with it. And I'd forgotten about that. Rory is very visibly trying to concentrate. She really wants to just get her work done. And Lorelai will not let her. She's so juvenile and she's so immature. And mm-hmm. any normal parent would be like, great, my kid is studying super hard. Let's leave them do it. Lorelai is just like, I'm needy. I assume that she never really buckled down or never really had to sort of buckle down quite this much when she was at Stars Hollow High, maybe? Because, you know, I think she'd be used to it by now. I think Lorelai would be used to Rory's, you know, intense study sessions, but this seems a little a little unusual like hey some, you've usually got time for me or ice cream while you study you know let's keep going yeah it really does seem that way and we get glimpses of that for sure throughout the episode where they're like this isn't stars hollow high anymore you're not like by default the smartest kid like without trying <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. that's such a weird i was going to mention this a little later on but i can mention it here too that the transition from being a sort of i don't know let's let's say gifted just for the purpose of gifted I don't know (laughs) just for the purpose of like the image of it um when you're when you're a high achiever let's say a student I was um all through elementary school and into middle school the transition from that to suddenly you're really really being challenged by your academics it's really 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 hard on your sense of self and your your self-worth. For me, when I was 12, uh, I started late French immersion. So in Canada, you could do um, early French immersion. You start at a French school and English kids or otherwise kids learn all of their courses in French from, I guess, kindergarten age. But then there's late French immersion, where which sometimes starts in high school, sometimes it's around middle school. That's what, That was the yeah, case Yeah, I think at me. my school it was grade six. Suddenly, all of your courses are in French and you're not like learning old stuff you're learning all the same things that all of your peers and the other you know English kids are learning brand new material but now it's in a different language and it's seen by teachers and and school board members that all across the board that grades for late French immersion students just plummet and I saw that and it was horrendous and when you're you know 12 13 11 12 13 like you're already going through so many changes and ways that you feel about yourself and to have your grades and your schoolwork just not measure up it was awful it was absolutely awful so i i i feel for rory in the sense that like i i know what it's like when you're when you're suddenly being very very challenged at something that usually used to come so easy to you and like your study methods don't work in the same way (laughs) you have to sort of learn brand new methods and it's tough it's a very very tough experience and uh i i don't envy anyone for it so wait are you saying that when you went into late french immersion all of your classes like math and science was suddenly in french yeah oh that's horrible it was awful yeah (laughs) oh my gosh it really really was and because like i said you're still learning the curriculum that the rest of the grade sevens and eights are learning in their first language or, you know, in English. And yeah, so suddenly, and, and then like the terms are different, you know, words are different, like multiplication yeah. and addition and brackets and stuff. It's yeah. Yeah. I had the reverse experience French immersion up until grade eight. And then when we got to high school, suddenly the classes were in English. Except French class. So I had the reverse experience Mm -hmm. where my literally everything that I learned is all in French. And then I get into an English science class or an English math class. And it's like, I don't know what this is. And even though, you know, it was, it's my first language, it wasn't terms that I use in an everyday setting. And so that was also very confusing. And that was a big struggle. But it, oh my gosh, that sounds terrible. (laughs) Your version is way worse. It was. (laughs) It was. It was awful. It was absolutely awful. But now I can speak French, so that's cool. <laughs> yep, fair enough. I haven't used it in uh, like 10 years, but you know. <laughs> um, so speaking of Tristan and some comebacks in this episode, we actually have quite a few. So Dean is mentioned again, just in passing. We mm-hmm. get, oh, Dean was asking about you. So that kind of hints that maybe we're going to see Dean again. 
but it was Lane who brought Dean up. So we get to see Lane and Mrs. Kim again. She's back. She's yeah. back. And in a very weird scene that made me really uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Most most scenes with Mrs. Kim do that. <laughs> Mrs. Okay. Kim is extremely strict and out there. Um like this is Y2K, right? So the issue of body image and weight and everything was very prevalent in media. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you have Lane with the rice rice cake and Rory's like, what is that? And Lane is like, 12 calories. 12 <laughs> calories. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Grab a clip that I really like because they do make it extremely exaggerated, right? So it doesn't feel mm -hmm. like everyday people necessarily counting calories. It's just Mrs. Kim being Mrs. Kim. This is Song Wu. What's that? Oh, that's mine. Huh. Yeah. That is chocolate covered death. With a creamy caramel surprise. <laughs> that's chocolate covered death. Like, there's no middle ground with her, so I like that they don't make it seem like the normal people's moms <laughs> are being like that, but they still add mm -hmm. that element into it. And then they buddy sell the table. That she's doing her homework off of. Like, instantly. <laughs> Somebody wants to buy that? Okay, it's gone. Move. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's Mrs. I mean, Kim. Yeah, what what a business. <laughs> I guess she must make decent money. I mean, like, to spend $375 like that, because that's what they ended up selling the table for, in mm -hmm. 2000, just 375 just drop it down. I'm actually going to quickly check how much yeah, 375 is worth. <laughs> Something that cost $375 in 2000 would cost $618.50. That's actually a Yikes. really big difference. <laughs> Just for 23 Whoa. years ago. That's a huge difference. Ew. We are living in tumultuous times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And so... Speaking of tumultuous times, Rory going through tumultuous times at school. And I like that they take this episode to further drive home how out of their element both women are all of a sudden. Like Rory Absolutely. with her school, Lorelai with the parent-teacher meeting, and she being mm -hmm. so vastly different from the other parents who are there. Like they're talking about uh, the AP test, which we don't have in Canada, but obviously is a big deal in the US. And so the parents are like, well, how do we find out what's on the test? And what do we do about this test? And then Mr. Medina is like, ah, oh, you should bribe the AP staff. And they're like, oh my God, they start like whispering amongst each other. He's like, <laughs> let's do that. I was joking. But these are, <laughs> you know, the let's buy success kind of parents. So that was, I think, really funny. Um, and then that one of the parents has at the beginning of this of this scene the the teacher is going over what uh what important figures what they're going to be studying this year and uh and one of the one of the parents asks is marlo that significant i like hearing this i'm saying hell yes he is you ignoramus like what are you talking about is marlo that significant of course he was he was a bloody contemporary of shakespeare and he had his own, like, hugely important and impactful works. Like, what a question! <laughs> so rude. I love having our two perspectives <laughs> because I've literally never heard of Marlowe. <laughs> and when he asked that, I was like, he's not. He's not. So I'm glad that you are... are Christopher Marlowe, yes. Our co-hosts are like that. We are co-hosts, bringing our perspectives. You can be the teacher, and I will be the student or the snobby parent. <laughs> like, you know, I'm just getting to Marlo know about Marlo. <laughs> Nobody needs to know. Uh, I really love oh when Lorelai comes into the room. She's late, which I think they also did on purpose to be like like mother, like daughter in a situation like they just make them both seem frazzled and disorganized i forget exactly what the joke is but when she comes in and like trips over the globe and she's like well then we'd be in a world of trouble like and pass it i just like burst out laughing i think she's so funny yep. and those are the <laughs> kinds of jokes that get like crickets from people but then i'd be there like <laughs> yeah oh 
Oh yeah, we're a supportive, active audience. Totally. So I do have this doozy from from the parent teacher meeting though. Um what? Yeah, it's a big exciting test. I just thought, I'm sorry, is that stupid? No, 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 it's not stupid. I just thought I'd like to see the excitement. It's a test. Yeah, I know. What's exciting about a test? Do you play golf? Yes, I do. You explain yours, I'll explain mine. Okay, why don't we get back to the meeting? That's the one who voted for the scrunchies. Must be a scholarship student. Um, excuse me. You know what, I think this would be a good time for a break. Uh, once again, out of respect for my father-in-law, I will not say what I have to say about golf. <laughs> Two weeks in a row. <laughs> I think Lorelai's comebacks here are another example, as we're going to see for the rest of this episode, of her pride. Um, so her pointed excuse me after the mm -hmm. scholarship comment, that's her pride on, on display. Because uh, she, she's not going to let herself go down and be be, you know put made smaller in in any way i my pride was wounded when she said she must be a scholarship student i almost at the same time as lorelei it's like excuse me i i would have <laughs> had the exact same reaction and i would have had to have mr medina call a break like everybody cool down i i would have been absolutely furious um mm. and that even just goes to show the audacity of the people in this world that they've entered where they like audibly say comments like that about other people knowing that they're fully protected their mm -hmm. their status is protected their mm -hmm. you know their money their wealth like all of that you can't touch them they're untouchable so they can like half-ass whisper <laughs> other people right in front <laughs> of their faces Definitely. without having to worry about any type of like ramifications no and it's a matter of pride that that was even an insult. Because, like, I don't know, she could be a scholarship student. We don't know. And that, that I think anyone else, if, like, money wasn't the, the big, money and wealth wasn't the big, heavy problem that it was in, in the first episode, and it continues to be you know, a, a point of contention, then, you know, it, it, it wouldn't feel like an insult. You know, somebody, somebody yeah. else's pride would just be like, Yes, and we're still here, but obviously it is it is a major point for for the Gilmores that uh, yeah we actually can't afford to be here. That's it. But also, have you seen her house? It is unattainable, enormous, <laughs> unbelievable to think that a single mother could afford that much house. It has a wraparound porch, and I don't care what small little town you're from in Connecticut. I know that housing is different in the States and that there are some affordable houses that you could get, but it is 2023 and a single parent can't even afford a one bedroom apartment right now, let alone sure, an entire <laughs> house. Are you joking? I'm sure a huge portion of our audience right now is all going, right? Yes. They've been waiting for us to get to this point because yeah, I mean, from the get go, as soon as we saw the porch, like, good Lord, come on. <laughs> Right. So this is suspending disbelief. We got to do it. We got to do it. And also it afford it it allows us to, you know, fantasize a little bit more. So <laughs> I'd give anything yeah, for that. Oh, we like, fantasize in. Oh, yeah. We fantasize in big time. <laughs> <laughs> so then she finds out at this PTA meeting that Rory got the D. The D? Mm. That sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> he got a D on a D. her paper <laughs> and I think it was really sweet because Lorelai finds out that she got this grade and immediately it's like everything clicks mm -hmm. and she's like now I understand why she's been working so hard and immediately she's like I need to go be with her and she must be really like not feeling good about herself right now and I really need to go be with Rory and the fact that she wasn't yeah. angry or upset and that she was just really like oh my gosh Rory must be gutted I need to go see her that was so she, touching. Yeah, she literally says, I'd like to be there. You know, I'm, I'm leaving this. I'd like to be there. Like, she's not a demanding parent in terms of her grades. Like, Rory being a high achiever is all on Rory. Like, Lorelai mm -hmm. does not push, or at least doesn't seem to push for any Although, of that. It was a surprise to me when Lorelai said that she's wanted Rory to go to Harvard since she mm -hmm. was four. Like, really? Did mm -hmm. she? Did, 
did she really, really? And did she instill that? Like, where did that come? That was a surprise to me. I didn't think that would have been hugely important. But yeah, she does. I was surprised too when she mentioned that because also later on in the episode, she goes, I don't remember when, if there was ever a time where you didn't, you didn't want to go to Harvard and where did that come from? It wasn't me. And I was like, girl, like 20 minutes ago, you were telling somebody (laughs) that you wanted this for her. So yeah, that was a bit of a surprise as well from from Lorelai. Speaking of Mr. Medina, I think I think I'm learning and I'm picking up on flirtation conversation. Yeah? Is this this a flirtatious conversation? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my my radar is is really patchy so I'm not so sure. But um you mean when someone stares really- at you like you're a steak <laughs> dinner, you're not actually <laughs> seeing flirtation. He wants to gobble her up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, and she asks a great question. Are you this nice to my kid? Which I think serves such a good, it, it serves two purposes. It's flirtatious. Yes, it's, ah, you're being nice and I'm noticing it. But it's also, you're being nice to me, but how are you to the children? Are you this nice to my mm-hmm. kid? Like, I really hope you are because yep. my standards are that you need to be a nice person. So you'd better be nice to my kid. And also, <laughs> she's wearing a t-shirt. Uh, so she's she has upgraded from the uh, the cowboy boots and the shorts and the everything. Um, she's she has her uh, proper shoes and her blazer and skirt. Uh, but she's got a B fifty twos t-shirt. And I noticed that the instant she set foot in the room, and I was like, was she not wearing a blouse earlier? What the what what? She was wearing a perfectly fine blouse. But, very, very clever writing, by the end of this scene, we get the explanation that she had a cup of coffee and she spilled it on her blouse. And the t-shirt was the only thing she had in the car. Genius! Genius! Just wrapping it all up. No loose ends. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that she doesn't even realize that she's really wearing it. Because uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Medina asks if she's a B-52s fan. And she's like, why would you ask me that? Like, I don't understand. And he's like, <laughs> literally wearing this shirt. Which is also, like, he's doing the, like... You know where he's looking. But a little anecdote that reminds me of the most mortifying day of the fourth grade uh, of my like entire year. I think it was the fourth grade because my sister was still at my school. It was a parent teacher meeting. And I remember it was weird because it was in the school gym. And I think the teachers had like booths or something. And it it was a larger affair than we were used to. And everyone was staring at us. And I couldn't figure out why. And I, my, my dad wasn't there. It was just my mom, my sister, and I. And so we end up leaving and we go home. And I think it was Erica, my sister, who looked at my mom who was like, is that what you wore? And my mom was like, what? And she looks down and the shirt says, I kid you not, iguanas do it better. And it's all of these iguanas in different sexual positions all over her shirt and she wore this to the school and i can't believe i didn't think of this on the first episode (laughs) with lorelei's outfit but now it's like the pta meeting or the parent teacher (laughs) meeting like jogging his memory and it wasn't just like the one-on-one meetings with the parents it was all of my classmates parents were there everybody (laughs) was there and my mom was horrified and we were horrified and it was just like why do you own that shirt why was that why is that even within grabbing range in your closet (laughs) and then we told my dad and he was like what is wrong with you (laughs) oh you can't even chalk that up to like french canadian you know mistranslation no she speaks english perfectly fine And you don't need to speak the same language to understand what is on that shirt. It was graphic. (laughs) It was like cartoon graphic and iguana graphic. (laughs) Why did you wear that? Um. (laughs) Anyway, shout out. Love you, mom. (laughs) Thanks for that story. (laughs) So, Rory is waiting for Lorelai at Luke's when, while she's at this PTA meeting. Here. What's that? You look like you need pie. I do? Violent pencil tossing usually signals the need for pie. What if I had thrown a pen? I would have brought you a trowel. 
What? I don't make the rules. I just carry them out. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, like, what is that? I was just laughing at like, his sense of humor. He just like brings it in and it's unexpected. And he kind of like tries to be on their wavelength a little bit in his own weird Luke way. He's just, like... I, like to, I like to contrast this to awful guy at school at the beginning um, who is just like, ah, oh, you look sad. Uh, you know, I'm just going to mm. involve myself in your business versus Luke, a grown up and his kind actions. Right. He's not just saying like, dude, you look like shit. What's going on? Tell me everything. It's just Imagine. like, okay, you look like you're, you look like you need a pie. So <laughs> I'm bringing you pie. So just a nice little distant, but still vaguely involved uh, impact and action. And, and I love it because it shows that he knows her. He pays attention. Mm -hmm. He cares about her quite a bit. Like, you know, he's been there for her whole life. He's seen her grow up. It's a small town and they've all been there and he wants to take care of her and he wants to make sure she's okay in his own non-invasive, intrusive way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Luke. And then Lorelai shows up. I guess you talked to Mr. Medina. Mm-hmm. Why did you let me whine about ice cream and shoe sales when you had something major going on? I hate when I'm an idiot and I don't know it. I like to be aware of my idiocy, to really revel in it, take pictures. I feel we missed a prime Christmas card opportunity. I'm sorry. <laughs> you should have told me. I couldn't. You couldn't tell me? You tell me everything. I love that here, again, Lorelai doesn't make it like you didn't tell me and now I'm doubly angry with you. Like she makes it about her. Like I would have liked to know so that I could be an idiot on my own terms, <laughs> not on yours. <laughs> Rather than I wish you would have told me and I, I can't believe you didn't tell me and I'm so hurt that you didn't tell me. Like it really could have gone that way. And yeah. in stark contrast to last episode, Lorelai handles this really beautifully. <laughs> Definitely. I fully agree. At, at the start, at the very start when she arrives, her light jokes that she normally puts in, they're not working, but they do start to work at the end when she's explained like, hey, if you had talked to me, like, I'm not trying to make light of your situation because clearly it's something that you're really upset about. Rory says that uh, it was too humiliating. Fair enough. Lorelai lays in heavy doses of recognition and support, confidence in her, and, and encouragement of what to do next. And they make a plan of how are they going to prepare for the test the big huge Shakespeare test they're going to do it together they're going to work on this together and it it's, we are going to be open with each other talk about it and and honestly that is something that you Lisa are very very good at not just saying oh that sucks oh this is a shame you're really good at turning a a, a stressful situation into something that you can do something about you know you can you you are able to encourage me to um, take the next steps to go in whatever direction you need to go in. Whereas I'm a big, big wallower and I will take everything as my problem and I just get stuck in there and I stay in there very much like what Rory was feeling. She's feeling humiliated. She wanted to keep it all herself and she just feels, well, she seems to feel like there's nowhere to go. There's no way to like bring herself back from this. But, um, but Lorelai is doing a very Lisa thing of okay, how do we push on from here? And we're going to do it together. Well, I am a Capricorn. so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I do see a lot of myself in Lorelai. And it's not always a good thing. But in this case, I am going to say that that is something I consider to be one of my strengths. I don't Absolutely. necessarily apply those to my own problems. <laughs> I'm really good That's at helping other the people. <laughs> with yep. their in that regard um yeah because that's just how i'm wired and that's how lorelei is wired she's like she's the problem solver she's like okay we've got something i'm gonna acknowledge that it sucks it's terrible but we're not going to live in this feeling <laughs> we're going to work our way away from this feeling by doing something about it or trying to do something about it i i did notice that she kind of started throwing in the jokes like right away and you're right they weren't really landing but then as she kind of 
she just kept going and and not not with the jokes but she kind of realized that like rory just needs that that ear and i think yeah she handled the situation really really well it was just the right dose of like maternal a maternal kick in the pants <laughs> yes i guess yep. without being too much like i feel like a lot of other parents out there would be like, you're going to study. You need to do this, you, blah, blah, blah. But the fact that she's like, well, I'm going to make this our problem now. So you're not alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to do this together. It was really nice. And so they do start studying. This this drove me a little crazy. And uh, thank gosh, Rory was able to just be like, mom, and like shut it down. But every time Rory was getting a question wrong when they were studying, Laurel, I was just like, eh, eh, eh. and you'd think that she would have a little bit more tact trying to turn it like a like a little game show thing with the the wrong buzzer and and Rory's instilling that like no no this is not how it's gonna work I need you to be as serious here as as I am with me and uh and I think they at least they both seem to feel pretty confident by by the night before I don't think Rory will ever feel prepared for anything like she doesn't seem the type to just be like I'm done now I feel good. There's no other work to be done. <laughs> There's nothing else to learn. I'm, I got this. So I don't mm-hmm. think any amount of studying would have made her feel comfortable or prepared for a test of this magnitude. Ever. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's something something in their living room. We get a I knew a that you were going to. I knew it. <laughs> Lorelai on the couch. What is on the mannequin behind her? What is, I don't know. I mean, there's know. nothing on my mannequin currently, but no. what is it's some, like, I don't, I can't actually tell if it's gaudy or just, I don't know, flamboyant, but some kind of a pink and sparkly silver dress thing of some kind. What the heck is it? It looks like, vin- like antique almost. Like, it looks yeah. like it could be, like, Victorian or, but not quite. It's like, like Victorian what? showgirl. Yeah. Like vaudeville, like what was yeah. it? <laughs> I have no That's idea. Right We're gonna alley, put a picture but... of it here. We're gonna put yes. a picture. Be like, what was that? What is it? Um, <laughs> Theories. I was please. like, oh, Jenny's gonna see that, and Jenny's gonna ask <laughs> about it. And I, it's weird because okay, like tiny spoiler. Oh no, I guess we did talk about it. So uh, in the first episode with the Chilton skirt, Laurel, I talked about sewing and like hemming the skirt and making it shorter. So. Lorelai does so. So there is okay. a certain element of that. We haven't gotten a lot of that yet because, it, you know, we haven't talked about skills or hobbies too much beyond just laying the groundwork for the big stuff. So Lorelai does so, but I don't know what that is. <laughs> and I don't know if it's permanent, like if it's a decoration or a project. I don't fully know. I don't remember a lot of the small details. I don't know if that mannequin reappears or it's its purpose or significance we'll keep <laughs> our seamstress eyes peeled <laughs> <laughs> my god my poor sewing machine is like dusty and decrepit and it's like yes <laughs> Mine is hiding. <laughs> mine's hiding under <laughs> here any anyone watching us on youtube right now you'll see that there's a naked mannequin dress form behind me uh, and also over this side with two little pumpkins on top. This is my sewing machine. So this is my office, by the way. Just a little <laughs> Easter egg for you. <laughs> there there may be things showing up on this dress form from time to time once I get back into the swing of my project. So <laughs> eagle-eyed yeah, awesome. viewers, stay tuned for that. <laughs> we are also in my office, and I've got my Cricut machine. Those are their machines. <laughs> got my Cricut machine there, yes. so this is where I do some of my work, too. It's a fairly new machine, though, so... I haven't been turning up too much. I've been just playing. It's been fun. But mm-hmm. anyway, so they were studying and then they fell asleep. So first, Lorelai's like, solidarity, I'm staying up with you. And immediately, I don't know if it was immediately, but I feel like immediately she falls asleep. Classic. And it was really sweet because Rory comes over and like puts the blanket on her. And then... Lorelai wakes up and then sees Rory fell asleep studying and then she puts the blanket on both of them. I just, oh, mm-hmm. so cute. So sweet. All these nice little touches. That's really, really clever storytelling, I think. Obviously, them falling asleep at the kitchen table sets them up for being late. No alarm to be set when you're passed out on the kitchen table. <laughs> I really like that. And, and 
identified strongly with <laughs> Lorelai waking up being all stiff, Rory, like 16, spry, and her muscles all work properly. <laughs> and then Lorelai's like, mommy can't help, mommy slept at a right angle. <laughs> literally, oh, because this is relevant literally for right now, that is how I slept on the plane coming back from Canada. Oh. Um, because it was one of those where you're all jammed in like sardines and I cannot sleep like sitting up like this with, you know, upright and uh, your head flopping. Um, the only semi-comfortable position I had was with the, the seat tray table down in front of me. And then I had the pillow on there. I had my head down like this oh <laughs> on the pillow and my arms <laughs> underneath the tray. And I slept for about three and a half hours like that. Which is the most I've ever slept on a plane in my life. <laughs> How are you living? <laughs> I don't know. Boy, I was sore after that trip. Holy smokes, I'm still struggling. Oh my god. Ew, ow. Oh, all of that feels bad. I don't like that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you had to deal with that. <laughs> it, it happens. It's your 30s. Yay. That feels like something out of The Sims, where they just like fall asleep and like at a table or something, where they would just be like... <laughs> You're on a sim plane. So yeah, they, they're late. Classic. Lorelai was going to drive her, but she has a meeting, so she can't. She's going to get a Ribasuki to the inn, and then Rory, you've got to go take the keys. First of all, she's 16. Is she even allowed to take the car? I didn't know she could drive. I thought that was a joke. They mentioned driving early in a previous episode. I'm like, she can drive? <laughs> really? I, I do think that like maybe... In the situation, it was so dire that it was like, I don't care about the rules. Like, fuck the law. Take the car. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, I think most of the time, because Lorelai, as much as she's, like, free and whatever, I think was, like, safety. And, like, you know, she'd be like, you don't have a driver's license. You're not touching that car. But in this case, does she even have a driver's license? I Like, she might have, like, a, you know, in Ontario, the equivalent of, like, a G1. Because that's what you can have here. I don't know what the learning permit levels are down in the States in Connecticut in the, you know, 2000. So she gives her the phone, the giant like block of the cell phone, <laughs> <laughs> which I love. My dad had one of those and she like, gives her the keys, gives her the phone. She's like, go, run, like get there. And then Rory decides to stop at a stop sign and call Lane because of one question. She has one question about... Like, girl, you're super fucking late for this test. Stop it. Here, let's watch. Did I leave a set of my notes at your house yesterday? Where are you? I'm driving to school. I, I need to check something, and I can't find some of my notes. Okay, hold on. Let me check. This closet, though? <laughs> I don't see anything. What did I do with them? Well, maybe it's downstairs in the store. Maybe. I just... Oh, my God! <laughs> are you all right? I just got hit by a deer. You hit a deer? No, I, I got hit by a deer. How, how do you get hit by a deer? Oh, good Lord. So like, so this is the part that I'm just like, what? what? Like, Why do we all, need I'm... this? We, <laughs> we don't need any more tension and conflict in here. It's tense enough that she's late. Right? And it's like, if you can't find your notes, first of all, do not be looking at your notes when you are driving, sweet baby girl. Do not do that. That's like, you might as well be texting and driving, except you can't text on those phones. But you need to be focused. Also, what is the crazy dirt roads that she's driving on to get to school? I'm pretty sure. Like, why is she in the woods? How, how far away is Chilton? <laughs> like, I know it's So a in distance, the first episode, like... they said it was half an hour on the, on the bus. So let's say okay. that it is a direct bus. Which it wouldn't be because it'd be a city bus. There'd be like a bunch of stops. She's not going to like the middle of the woods. Like I guess she is because I she's getting hit by a deer. And I don't really know a lot of dirt roads that actually have like municipal street signs like that. Like no. it has like a proper <laughs> stop sign. And it's just like an intersection of two dirt roads. What is it like in America? Like what is, is that normal? because here it's not here when you're on dirt roads you are on your own you are in no man's land like there may be a dirt road between two paved roads when you're on dirt roads like that it's because you're up in like cottage country and the signage is like <laughs> people's like the joneses and that way like it's not real deal you 
don't have that. So I do not know what's with her route. She should not have stopped. She gets hit by a deer and then decides to get out. Like, you are late for your test. (laughs) Go to school. (laughs) I get she cares about the safety of the deer, but like, there are very pressing issues. The deer it doesn't didn't appear to be all that harmed. I mean, maybe no. he had a funny kind of leg, but he still was able to run away. That's it. Fine, go. <laughs> Just he ran go. away. There was no blood. Like, look around. You're fine. Go to school. There's no way a deer would run toward the big, loud, fast thing rather than away from the big, loud, fast thing. <laughs> That's how deers work. I'm just saying. So she gets to school. She's late. She's not allowed to take the test. Mr. Medina is being kind but firm. Like he's like being, these are the rules. Sorry, Rory, you were late. I can't let you like take the test, go to the library. And Rory just lets loose. And I spent this whole scene just being like, yes. Me too. (laughs) Let's watch it. Let's watch it. Yes. And just what is wrong with you, huh? You already have everything. You already have the grades and the status. What the hell is wrong with you that you have this constant need to be the biggest jerk in the entire world? Okay, let's go. Huh? What's up? What's up, Quippy? Why so silent? Outside, now. And for the last time, the name is Rory! Yes! Yes! Yes, Rory. gosh. The way that she yells it, my name is Rory! Like... Mm. Mm -mm -mm. I was thinking of you (laughs) yes I I was I'm not a yeller or at least I never was in any of the time that I was at grade school um even then like university it took a lot for me to actually yell and get the gumption to do that and so watching this is so cathartic for me um (laughs) because anything with like some unfairness and injustice especially when it's like I deserve my chance and I have worked so hard and you are not letting me just show I would want to explode and she does and I'm just cheering her on for this because it just it, I get that it's the rules of the school but there has to be some way around it like it's just dumb it's so dumb it's so 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 dumb and then by the end of the episode, we'll see there is a kind of a way around it in a way. But, oh, my God, I'd be fuming. So I was cheering for her. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And the way that, like, it's just, she takes up all of the pent-up shit from her experiences there. And it's not just about the test anymore. She's just, like, overflowing. She is, like, Mentos in a Coke bottle. She is just, like, gone. <laughs> and I have a, the clip where, where Lorelai is, like... Well, no, that's not Rory. Like, she doesn't do that. And and you hear so many, that's not Rory, that's not Rory, that's not Rory's in this episode. And she's that's proven true. wrong every time. And mm-hmm. it's really showing how this is completely like an earth-shattering experience for both of them. But especially Rory is completely out of her depth. And you feel like, ooh, the more... You hear Lorelai say, well, no, that's not Rory. She doesn't do that. When it's like we literally just saw her do that. And she's kind of cheapening her arguments. Like, Rory's never late. Yeah, but she was late. Rory doesn't explode. But she did explode. Rory doesn't get a D. But she did get a D. And how this is just, like, really throwing them both, like, completely off. And you feel for them because, like, she knows that this isn't typical of of Rory. But then you have Headmaster Charleston being like... This is this is what you're here for. This is what it is. And you saying that this isn't like your kid does not change the fact that this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. And like you want to hate him. And you do. We hate him. We don't like Headmaster Charleston. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like but what he's he not, stands for. That's it. But he's not wrong. Like, yeah. okay, so here we go. Here we go. You sit up here in your snotty little school that's in desperate need of some extra heating vents, and you nurture horrible kids who treat each other like mortal enemies. You set impossible standards that make normal people feel less than everybody else, and you take a great kid like Rory, and you tear her apart. I don't think that's completely fair. And you, you say she's smart and she'll do fine, and this rotting, stodgy rat hole could use somebody like her, and then you completely shut her out of a test she's been cramming for, that she's ready for, that she completely deserves to take. I didn't call this place a rat hole. Oh, no, that's true. I added that. Wouldn't want you to get in trouble with Il Duce here. 
I thought this place was gonna be so great. And now, I guess this goes on the boy was I wrong list, right above gauchos, but just below the flash dance phase. My goodness, you do like to throw fits in your family. What are you talking about? Your daughter threw a similar, if not as manic, fit of her own this morning. Oh, please. Rory doesn't throw fits. She's the most even-tempered person I know. Well, then, she did a lovely impression of you. Well, I don't... Miss Gilmore, everything you said in your rant was absolutely true. Wouldn't it be nice to just tear into somebody like that one day? Ugh. Like, <laughs> the more she went on, the more I was like, holy shit. Like, she's just letting it out and just going for it. And she's not holding back. Or if she is holding back, God help us. <laughs> this is one of the things that uh, is an enduring love for me of, of the theater and of performing and acting. Because as I Ooh, previously yeah. mentioned, I was not a, a shouter or like a big argument haver or anything like that. And the first time that I actually properly yelled with words was for the theater, <laughs> was was in acting class. And we discovered when I was, what, 21, 22, that I had never yelled before. And so for the first time I did it in class and it is such a beautiful, brilliant feeling to just step in somebody's body and position and and just get it all out and you find places inside you that, that you've never reached before and the shouting and the yelling is a wonderful feeling so uh, yeah you get to pretend and you get to have these big cathartic experiences so big up my actors <laughs> I screamed in my car yesterday I mean I have toddlers so. <laughs> I was alone for the record <laughs> but I'm just saying have kids and you'll Get a lot more chances to scream into the <laughs> into the void, into the abyss. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's nice to hear her stand up for Rory and like say all the things that we're all thinking. Like the kids in the school are horrible. It's super competitive. Everybody's super mean. And then for him to turn around and be like, "So it's like, oh, this was supposed to be a moment of like compromise and coming together, and it being like." You know, it, it feels like it's supposed to be one of those moments where it's a turning point, you know? Yeah. And then for Headmaster Charleston to just be like, yeah. And, like, wait, yeah. what? And he starts off with saying, like, everything you just said is true. Like, I know that, but that's just the way it is. Oh, oh the worst words of, <laughs> that's that's how it is. That's us. That's, that's yep. the way of the world is to prepare people for the world. Bull. <laughs> Yeah. And she even says, but you make the rules. You can change it. You have the power to make it different. And he's like, but I won't. (laughs) You're like, I hate you. But then that is what they're signing up for. That is that world and that environment and that like society. It's, it's like that. And it's, and, and it just shows that it's not just Rory coming from the stars hollow high. It's also Lorelai coming from stars hollow high. And then, so we do get, as you mentioned, a little bit later in the episode, we do finally get a bit of reparations from Mr. Medina with this voicemail that he leaves, which also voicemails, like zero level of privacy before cell phones and being able to check your messages on your own. We never had one at home, which is oh. odd because my my dad worked for the phone company and typically we were sort of <laughs> ahead of the game with like everything to do with phones, but we never had an answering machine, probably because there was always someone at home. So my experience with answering machines is always what I see on TV. And uh, yeah, what a system. It clicks and then suddenly everyone in the world, everyone in the household can hear your business. Like, whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember ours and had like the little tape that goes in and you're like and then you had to press like the recording and the play button i think at the same time to like record record your greeting i i liked that machine a lot because i was four (laughs) five six (laughs) like i was young and um i thought it was very cool and my parents even had a cassette tape of looney tunes voice message like recorded voice message like incoming or like the the outgoing message sound and it was all these different looney tunes ones like and then and then there was like tweety bird and bugs bunny being like 
you know, they can't come to the phone right now. And we begged and begged and begged my parents to like have it. So you'd have to like hold the cassette player, like playing the sound up to the voice, like the answering machine <laughs> to like get it to record. I don't know where they got it. And I don't think they really let us use it, but it was amazing. Anyway, so the voicemail. Mm. It's us. We We're not here. We have a life. Get over it. Hi, this is a message for Rory. It's Max Medina calling. I just wanted to say that I talked to Headmaster Charleston, or Il Duce, as he's more affectionately known in the Gilmore household. And he's agreed to let you do some extra credit work to help make up for the missed test today. Now, I'm not sure what the extra credit work is yet, but it probably will be time-consuming and extremely painful. It will, however, get you back up to where I think you rightly belong, Rory. Don't lose heart. Make this work. And if your mother's listening, Lorelai, it was a pleasure encountering you. I hope it happens again. Anyway, see you in class. Bye. What a great message. It sounds a bit flirty from like, mm -hmm. like I didn't really love when he's like, it'll get your grades back up to where you rightly belong. Like that feels like a bit, a bit overkill, much. a bit heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know that he's not saying it to her. He's saying it to Lorelai. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know that that's why he's doing this. It's mm -hmm. because he wants to get into Lorelai's pants. <laughs> or skirt, as she's wearing at the moment. Or skirt. Yeah, or her B-52 <laughs> shirt. <laughs> First of all, I had to, last time I watched this, I had to Google Il Duce because I had no idea. Like, I knew it was a bad, bad man. You could tell no. just from the use of the word. <laughs> it's a bad, bad man. I did not realize it was Mussolini. <laughs> but um, that's pretty ballsy of Lorelai to call <laughs> the headmaster of her kid's school, Mussolini, to his face. Um, I love everything she said she... was very ballsy. <laughs> yes. She... <laughs> that she's able to to whip out a, uh, a historical reference like that for the, the you know, the academics and the, the, the snobs who will get that reference, you know. There yep. she is. Ah, she's going to demonstrate her smarts and her wit at your level. <laughs> she's going to yep, beat that's you true. up at it's your level. A fully appropriate, <laughs> like, yeah, historical academia kind of <laughs> kind of reference. Which, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, good for her. Um, how inappropriate is it to, like, flirt with a student's mom on a voicemail about their homework? <laughs> Surely hugely. <laughs> Hugely. Yeah, but you could see in Lorelai's face while she's listening that she's like, mm -hmm, okay, like mm -hmm. he noticed me. I noticed him. He's on my shirt. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> and then when he's like, if your mother's listening to this, and she's like, yes, hello, I am. Yes, like, I am. And then, Hi. <laughs> like it was, you know, a pleasure running into you or whatever it was. And she's like, just getting a little bit of male attention, a little bit less smarmy than Mr. Man in the first episode. Oh my um, gosh, remember him. <laughs> <laughs> Second episode, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Is Mr. Medina a little bit more your speed? Yeah. Maybe for me personally, a tiny bit too aggressive. Just a tiny bit. But that's me. I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I'm weird. I'm weird in this realm. This is not at all my, my stomping ground. Flirtation is not my stomping ground at all. But yes, yeah, he's good. And, uh, and, and I like that it's, he's really showing that he's not just on Lorelai's side, but he's on Rory's side as well. Like, hey, I'm here and I, I talked to the headmaster because it's out of my power. I talked to the headmaster on behalf of you because I like you both very much, you know, even if we conflict, whatever, uh, that I'm going to help fight for you as best I can. Because clearly he can see that she's a great kid. I think he said so even. Like, she's a very yeah. smart kid and she, she works hard. And uh, I'm hoping that we get some more instances of him being in teacher mode. Because um, I can see this happening where, like, it's just going to sort of become possibly on and off, like, flirting, potential romance. I don't, I don't know. But I'm hoping that we actually get a little bit more of him as teacher man. And uh, he shows maybe that he's a little bit, you know, he shows a bit more of himself that hope mm. he's a good guy. I don't know. Again, this is me with the fresh eyes. I'm the one who hasn't seen yep. the series. So we'll see. We'll see. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, and so ultimately what happens in this, this episode kind of 
wrap up the, the school situation, we have yes. Lorelai and Rory talking about Rory's future at Chilton. After the conversation with Headmaster Charleston, you know, Rory and Lorelai are looking for the deer. So they're walking down this dirt road looking for the deer. <laughs> and Lorelai straight up tells her, like, listen, if you want to go back to Stars Hollow High, like, that's okay with me. If this is too much, if you don't want to do this, that's okay with me. And immediately, and like I picture, you know, my 16-year-old self, just I mean, defensive. You don't think I can do it. And she's like, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I said. Those aren't like the words I used. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then she she does say, like, I don't remember where Harvard came from. Are you doing this for me? And Rory ends up like reassuring her and telling her that, no, I do want to go to Harvard. That's my goal. It's my dream. And I want to try a Chilton for a little bit longer. And I reserve the right to change my mind at any time, which I really like that she did. And yes. then Lorelai yeah. said that is her prerogative as a woman <laughs> to change her <laughs> mind whenever she wants. <laughs> so I like that we got kind of Rory's confidence back or at least her her gumption, like her willingness to, to persevere. Lorelai in this episode has already demonstrated her confidence in Rory. So even though Rory had the fully understandable 16-year-old defense of like, what you don't think I can do it? No, she knows. She <laughs> she knows that Lorelai knows she can do it. She's she has her support, and you know, you're a smart kid. I'm not gonna try and tell you differently. But what she's worried about is not so much you can do it or you can't. You'll succeed or you fail. But what Lorelai noticed was a change in Rory's behavior and that yeah. got her concerned. And she even says as much. She says, "I'm worried. I saw this and." And I'm worried about you, not about us, not about your performance. I'm worried about you. So worried with good reason. And um, and, and it, it's great that they have this, this point to get back to, which is that it's the two of them in it together. It's, it's Rory's dream with Lorelai's support, um, but they're going to be in this together. And oh, it's just such a nice thing to see. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because that's a, that's exactly what she says, and it's a really good point to bring up. Where it's not just I can do this, and like, should you do this? It's it's Lorelai saying you don't usually freak out, and you don't have to like study like crazy like this most of the time, and like this is suddenly like you're 16. I want you to have like a nice experience and and enjoy your life. You know, like this doesn't have to be this intense. And if this is how it's going to be, and you don't want that, like maybe that's for the best. And Rory kind of points out that, like, I was behind. I'm going to catch up. It will be okay. It'll all settle down. Like, this is all new. And it's sort of Rory having the level head there and, and be reassuring. And then still giving herself the out if she needs it. So that was really good. Yes. Oh, actually, before we wrap up, I want to quickly address the B plot in this. Uh, so, oh, my gosh. Sookie's we didn't even talk about it at plot. all. <gasps> no, we didn't. No, we didn't. Sookie demonstrates her pride with her issue going on um, with uh, getting a, in her view, near enough getting a D on her paper, getting a, quote, bad review. She even says, she has a line that says, this is pride, Lorelai. She has pride in her recipe for the magic risotto. <laughs> so I think this again instills that pride is the theme of the whole episode. I think what's interesting is seeing how how Lorelai responds or how quickly Lorelai notices that something is going wrong in both her daughter and in Suki. So with with Rory at an earlier scene, she shows up after receiving the paper with the bad grade and she's behaving a little differently. I think she immediately wants chocolate or something like that. Um, so clearly there's something wrong. And there's this tiny instance of Lorelai just doing like a, a, a double look, you know, a double glance, but not provoking, you know, not, not poking in and asking what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, just sort of, okay, something's up. But with Suki, it actually takes till the next day for her to notice that there's something wrong or for her to address that there's something wrong. But Suki's behavior changes almost instantly. Her, oh, her well, face her, her just like falls. Yeah. 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 And I wonder, like, what does Suki need when she's sort of spiraling 
and and really really going along with this oh my god he really didn't like the dish um who was it and what went wrong how can i fix this but she's she's going and going and going and i don't know what she needs in order to just calm herself down she figures out what she needs she doesn't need anyone else's input she figures it out she wants to know was the recipe fine was it made the right way on the day um, what was it paired with? And then she figures out it was paired with some different kind of wine, which changes the flavor. And she does the digging herself and she comes to the, the, the point all because of her pride. I mean, pride is, there's, there's a, it's a gradient of pride. You know, you can be very prideful and snobby about it, or you can have various degrees of pride. And, uh, and hers is to, to find out what went wrong. And she goes <laughs> to sort it out and fix this situation for herself. She doesn't ask anyone else. She doesn't require anyone else in this. She does it all herself and gets to have her, she gets to write this. She gets to have it, it righted um, by, <laughs> I don't know exactly if it's an apartment or if it's some hotel room or something where, where the critic is staying. We don't see him. I think it's his house. Or... It must I be think his, it's house, his house, something like that. Yeah, yeah, because it seems as though she's sit like standing on like the porch or the front step of of his home. Yeah, yeah, and she gets to re <laughs> for her own for her own benefit. Like he's not going to rewrite the review and say, "Oh, actually, it's delicious and it's a magic risotto." For her own peace of mind and and sense of of justice and rightness, she makes sure that he enjoys the risotto prepared the way it's supposed to be with the right wine. She doesn't even look at him. He continues to be this sort of mysterious figure. We, we don't see him. And, uh, and you can just see on her face that she gets this satisfaction of like, okay, I fixed this. This is good. At least as long as he knows. <laughs> yeah, I really like, so the part that you mentioned where she talks about, well, this is like a point of pride. Well, like it's about pride because we, as an audience, are made to feel like Suki is ridiculous and is just this like larger than life everything is kind of silly with Suki she's clumsy and she has this dynamic with Jackson that is just absurd and then she gets like all bent out of shape about this the one word or the one little phrase in this glowing review and I, I think by default we're all sort of like oh whatever like it's it's fine like it's just that it's it's just Suki's exaggerating like it's okay but then when she explains like why she's so upset we're all kind of like oh yeah okay like I see where you're coming from like yeah okay I get it if something that is so important to you yeah I could see how that would be a bummer and <laughs> uh, I also really like how Jackson immediately knew something was wrong because she didn't care that the wrong mushrooms were being delivered and he brought the morels and he knows she doesn't want the morels and she's like whatever and he's like holy shit what's wrong yeah <laughs> like yeah I love Suki and Jackson I think they're hilarious like they're <laughs> that whole dynamic is excellent I also love Michelle and Drella their dynamic is incredible too Drella's oh, the yeah. first player <laughs> and Michelle at the front desk. <laughs> Their bickering just brings me so much joy. I I can't believe we didn't talk about Suki at all up until this point. It was a significant part of the episode. But mm -hmm. B-plot, <laughs> as you said. B-plot, yeah. yeah. Just going to check my notes to see if there's anything else that I wanted to cover here. Nope, I'm good to go. <laughs> so that wraps up episode four of season one, The Deer Hunter. We are the Belladonna Watch Club. As always, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next Thursday here on YouTube. And if you're listening via podcasts, then wherever you get your podcasts. Have a good week. Bye-bye. See you later. <laughs>